So welcome to the Expert Edge. Uh, today, you're going to learn how to grow your brand. Uh, I've got a really good friend of mine. Her name is Julie Solomon. She has been a publicist for over 10 years uh, and she's built her expert business into an incredibly highly profitable multi seven figure business. And she's just someone who genuinely, first of all, cares about her audience, uh, but actually lives lives what she preaches. She has built a global brand uh, of where experts, coaches, speakers come to her to learn how to position themselves from a branding perspective and then and then how to pitch to different uh, organizations, different brands, how to get brand deals. Uh, and for me, you know, this this interview is fascinating because uh, getting brand deals and pitching a brand and building a brand for me is something like I'm really fascinated by and even the whole influencer marketing space, it's just a fascinating space for me. So I think even if you don't consider yourself to be an influencer, you know, in the classic sense, today is going to be so helpful because we actually define what she sees as an influencer. I think you'll fit in the category. And so for me, as I was interviewing Julie, I'm thinking, wow, like I fit in that category. And so there were so many things that I drew out from this podcast that I think is going to be super valuable. So first of all, if you want to grow your brand, this is going to be valuable. If you want to grow your Instagram, this will be super valuable. Uh, we dive deep into a lot of the challenges that Julie's been through and really like how she's overcome them because you know for anyone to build a seven figure plus business that means that they've gone through some pretty challenging times but they've had the persistence and the focus to overcome that and so today's about growing your brand it's about growing your influence it's about becoming the true voice in the marketplace of who you really want to be so i trust you're going to really love this and if you find it valuable once again make sure you subscribe put a post in your stories in Instagram and tag Julie and myself. Uh, and I'd love to hear what was most valuable from today. Make sure you subscribed as well. So guys, without any further ado, let's get into it. Uh, building your influence with Julie Solomon. You are listening to the Expert Edge podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. So Julie Solomon, welcome to the Expert Edge. Thank you for having me, Colin. It's always an awesome time with you. Hey, I'm really excited to have this conversation. I know we've got to know each other over the last couple of years, maybe three years or so. We originally met in a peer or peer mastermind. And uh, it's just been really cool getting to know you and your life. Because for me, uh, you know, when I started my business, I was very much in the corporate world and I wasn't familiar with influencers and what it means to be an influencer. And I would say you're the first, I guess, person that I really got to know well, who really leads this influencer market. And I was thinking about before we did this interview, I was like, you're kind of like the OG influencer. Like you've been you know, like you're the original gangster influencer. Like you literally almost, I think you pretty much created the word and I know you have the influencer podcast. So I'm excited to understand kind of how you got into this world. So could you share with all the listeners, how did you first get into this influencer world? Like uh, what was that journey for you? Yeah. You know, um, and, and I, and I love this question too. And, and I think that it can also go into this idea of like, what is an influencer? Because there's so many different visualizations or definitions of that, which we can also talk about in a minute. Um, but yeah, I, I got into the space, um, 
back in, I want to say about 2013, 2014. So at the time I was living in Los Angeles and I was new to the city and I was a new mom and I didn't know a lot of people and I wanted to make friends. And so I always say that I went to LA and I did the one thing that every girl does when they move to LA and that's, they start a blog. And so I started a blog um, and it was a lifestyle motherhood blog. And um, just as a way to connect with people and as a way to, you know, have a creative outlet. And because of the location that I was in, um, Los Angeles really is the Mecca of the influencer space. It is where all of the top influencers live. It is, you know, it's where influencer marketing really began. And I was fortunate to be there in the very early stages. And really at the time that the word influencer wasn't being used, people called themselves bloggers. They called themselves YouTubers, Viners, you know, not even content creators. It was really that. Um, and then during that time, Instagram was starting to become more and more a thing. And specifically in the blogging space, it started to become a place where you could monetize through working with brands. And so how it worked is that you would have a blog and then you would have an Instagram and brands would pay you to talk about their products and services on your blog and market it on Instagram. And so there were, you know, from this, obviously people saw this opportunity to make money. And so affiliate companies started to kind of come out of the woodwork and more bloggers started to kind of come out. And this really, this idea of influencer marketing was born. And because of my background, I have a background in PR and marketing. I did book publicity and music publicity for about seven years before I became a blogger. So I had a very clear and keen understanding of marketing and PR. It's what I went to college for. Um, I had worked with some of the top best-selling authors in the world. I had worked on some with some of the biggest music acts that had won Grammys and, you know, were always at the top of the billboard charts. And so I had this very, um, I had this very solidified background and experience in traditional PR. And so what I started doing as I was blogging, it was fun and it was cute, but I was like, okay, so how do I really make this a thing? And since, you know, I saw that girls were starting to be able to use Instagram as a way to monetize, I was like, well, why don't I do that? The problem was... Colin, I didn't have a lot of followers at the time. And I didn't, I wasn't, a, I was a very, very small fish in, you know, what was becoming a big pond. And, you know, I wasn't the go-to fashion blogger or the go-to lifestyle blogger. And so I had to start thinking outside the box. And I was like, well, I'm not that. So I'm not going to have brands be knocking at my door wanting to pay me, but what do I have? Well, I know how to pitch. I know how to market. I know how to communicate. I understand marketing. So why don't I go out and try to seek this out? So instead of just sitting here and waiting for these brands to come to me, why don't I start pitching them? And so that's what I did. And I was able to very quickly and easily start to pitch and land a lot of paid partnerships and brand collaborations. A lot of people call them brand deals. I was able to start landing a lot of brand deals for myself. And what started to happen were these other bloggers that I was meeting at the time, which we would now call them influencers. They were coming to me and they were saying, Julie, I don't mean to be rude, but how is it that I have you know, a hundred thousand followers, which at the time would have been like a million followers yeah. today. And I'm not making any money and you have 5,000 followers and you're making five, 10 grand a month. Like how, like what, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, 
I know how to talk to people. <laughs> I know how to pitch myself. I know how to effectively communicate and, and make this happen. And so these, these bloggers were like, well, why don't you teach me how to do it? And so I started in that moment, I started to see this opportunity. There was this need in this market that I had found myself in that I could be a solution provider for. So instead of blogging about lifestyle and motherhood and beauty and fashion, I started blogging about marketing and PR. And so I kind of became the place that bloggers could come to, to learn how to pitch themselves and market themselves. And right when that happened, my entire blog at the time just completely transformed. I was getting traffic that I'd never seen before. I was, you know, creating these freebies that people could download and I, my email list started growing and all of this stuff that was not happening to me before when I was just kind of doing what everyone else was doing. And so I knew that I was onto something. And so I decided, okay, so I'm consulting, I'm doing these one-off calls with people. How can I make this more effective and efficient for me and serve more people? And so at the time I started seeing these things called online courses that were out in the world and they were in a different space than the influencer space. The influencer space were, was kind of my prospect, the people that I were serving, but then I was seeing this whole other world of digital marketing and online marketing and people creating courses. And I started to find people like Marie Forleo and Amy Porterfield and stumbled upon at the time. Time, it was a course that taught you how to create a course. And I think it was like 500 bucks and I bought it and I was like, okay, I'm going to create a course on pitching that teaches these bloggers at the time, how to pitch and land brand deals. And so I did that in 2016 and, you know, fast forward to today, and we can kind of talk about things that happened between that. But um, ever since 2016, I've had a evergreen program called Pitch It Perfect. It has sold, I think, to date, um, over $7 million in gross revenue. And I've been able to serve, you know, thousands and thousands of influencers, content creators, bloggers, photographers, whatever people want to call themselves, um, by teaching them how to effectively pitch and market themselves. And we do that inside Pitch It Perfect. I love that. So what I'm hearing is you kind of took, you know, you're doing your blogging and there was a lot of bloggers, you're in LA, there's thousands of them or whatever it is, but you kind of, you combined what was special about you with more generic thing that everyone was doing. And then you built your pitch it perfect program. Is that kind of the process you went through? Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's exactly the process that I went to. Yeah. And I think that that's something that a lot of times, and it was actually happening back then, because I started this in 2013 and I didn't create my course until 2016. So there was about three years there that I was kind of throwing mm. spaghetti at the wall and was seeing what stuck. I mean, yeah. I was able to pitch and land brand deals and do that consistently. Um, Can you but tell was, me, when did you feel like you landed a great brand deal. Like when was one of those moments where you're like, okay, I'm legitimate now. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, um, I was able to pitch and land, um, over $250,000 in interior design services. So I got my house entirely renovated with also what? free interior design services and I got <laughs> national press for it. So I'm happy to share that story. That's insane. Yes, but it was, it was like three years of just kind of not really figuring out what I was doing. And I remember yeah. my husband being like, he would always call me Julie publicist because the night that we met, he put me as Julie publicist in his phone. I'm like, how many Julies do you have in there? But so we always where did, had, where did you meet? Where we met in Nashville. Meet? We met at okay. Nashville at a charity event. And he, uh, nice. I was Julie, Pub even after when I was his wife, like I was Julie publicist in his phone for years, like not to so be confused good. with Julie, you know, hairdresser and Julie waitress <laughs> yeah, or yeah, whatever exactly. else it is. Exactly. 
Um, and so oh, he would sweet. say to me, he was like, you have to remain Julie publicist. And I was like, I don't want to be Julie publicist. I want to be Julie blogger. I want to be Julie influencer. I want to be, that's what's hot. That's what I want to get into. That's kind of the next big thing. But what I was missing the mark on is remembering that it's, it's whatever our unique experiences and backgrounds and talents are that mm. is going to make us stand out above the rest. That is, that is always going to be our unique determining factor as human beings. And so I think for years I was kind of, in some ways I was, I was there and I was doing it, but in a lot of ways I was kind of like resisting and resenting the whole PR side because I didn't think that that was what was actually going to help me take off. It was like, I was trying to leave that behind and start this new thing when really by remaining Julie publicist and really using that more as a, as a vehicle and vessel towards what I wanted, that's when everything really started to open up for me. I'm curious about, because I know that we, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about what you do and how you help people. Um, and there's kind of two sides of things. There's the, there's the engagement growth followers side, and then there's the monetization side of things. If we could have a look at the first side of like just growing followers and growing your influence, what have been some principles or things that you've used over the last couple of years that you would say, you know, are applicable for others to learn from and have really made a big difference for you in growing your influence and your fellowship? Yeah. So for me, growth comes down to consistency, but I kind of want to back up a little bit when it comes to this idea of followers and kind of what we were talking about in the beginning of the conversation about like, what, what is an influencer? Because so many people have a different connotation of what that is. Yeah, some people it. think that an influencer is like some chick on Instagram selling you gummy bear hair vitamins, you know, with a thong on, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. It's like some people think that, you know, an influencer is the Does person. Does that mean I have like, to wear a mankini? It, that is exactly if you, if you want to monetize and make money, you have to put your mankini on. Otherwise you're not going to grow. Sorry. I interrupted. Uh, yes. And, and you, and I think that that is a type of influencer. And yeah. then you have, you know, there are people out there that, you know, they are the, you know, the, the, the video, the YouTubers, the ones that are constantly creating that digital content, they're doing videos. And then that's a type of influencer. You have people, you know, on TikTok. Um, it used to be Vine and, and Snapchat and Periscope. You've got people that are like doing their thing over on Clubhouse. And I think that that, you know, some people may think of that as an influencer. You'll see the girls that are basically, I call them walking billboards. You know, all they're doing is pushing product all day yep. through affiliate marketing. They're like, you like my dress, you can get it, like to know it, whatever it is, right? Um, and now Amazon's getting into that game with, with their program, mm. Amazon Associates and a lot of affiliate marketing there. And so I think that, you know, influencer can really be defined by any of those things. But to me, you know, to be an influencer means that you are actually creating impact either in someone's life or business to the point that they are reaching whatever goal it is that they're wanting to reach. So whether that is you're helping them make more money, you're helping them gain more exposure, you're helping them grow awareness. To me, that is really what an influencer is. And that's why I think that if, you're someone who is on Instagram wanting to create content to either sell something or to share something, 
you're an influencer, like end of story. So yeah. no, you don't have to be selling gummy bear hair. No, you don't like, you could be an educator and you're influencing someone. You could mm -hmm. be a thought leader, influencing someone. You could be an author influencing someone. And so I really like to share that because I also think that that word can have a very negative connotation mm -hmm. when really it's like, if you're someone who listens to Colin's podcast, you're most likely an influencer or you're wanting to be one. Mm -hmm. That's I think why this really, this is helpful because I, I would say, you know, a lot of people listening would consider themselves to be experts, coaches, thought leaders, like people who listen to this podcast. But that definition of what you just gave really helps, I think, for a lot of listeners, even for me to realize that, you know, essentially you're an influencer because for me, influence is leadership. Right. Right. I think John Maxwell says that influence is leadership. And so, you know, the more you grow your followership, the more of a leader you have to become. And your level of integrity of how you show up. And then, and then it's kind of like, and, and we see this happen, you know, people who have huge influence and then they lack the integrity to handle that level of influence and their whole world just blows up. Right. Um, so it's like, there's a level of like responsibility and leadership that you have to be able to grow and, and to, and to lead that. So mm -hmm. what would you say to someone to help them to become a bigger influencer in their market. Yeah. And I, I think it comes down to a really simple question that a lot of people never ask themselves. And that is what is the goal? So if you're wanting to grow really anything, if you're wanting to grow your income, your impact, your influence, your business, your brand, your followers, your customers, what is the goal when you wake up to post something, to be on social media, to use it as a marketing tool? What is the goal? Are you using it to convert sales? Are you using it to grow awareness. And that's really kind of the two things, even, even from a brand's perspective, that's always one of the two things that, that when they partner with an influencer, that's what they're looking for. They're either wanting to grow sales or they're wanting to grow awareness and exposure. Mm -hmm. And that actually constitutes how much you can get paid for a brand deal. Like, are we trying to push the bottom line here? Or are we just trying to reach and gain more exposure. And that can also dictate who they decide to follow. So you as an expert or as an educator, as an entrepreneur, what is your goal? If you're looking just to have a big follower number, well, there's a ton of ways that you can do that. You can buy followers, hmm. you can do loop giveaways. You it's can... crazy how you can buy followers now, like the amount of people approaching right. and how that actually works. It's so easy now. And you crazy. can buy likes, you can buy engagement. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, and if that's someone's goal, like that's not what I teach just mm. to me, I, I'm just more like, and I'm not ashamed. Like I'm about money. Like how are we growing your yep. bottom line? How are we putting more money in your pocket? And like, oh, how same. are we using that money to change the lives of others? Right? Like I yeah. don't, I could give two craps about a follower number because that doesn't pay the bills mm. in the long run. You know, yeah. it can for some people, but it's like, if you're just buying a lot of followers mm. and brands know that, or your customers know that, and it's really easy to, I mean, they even have software systems out there that you can go and look. It's so easy to see who's buying what. So that's not my thing. But for those, some somebody listening, if they're just like, look, I want to have a million followers. That's what's important to me. Vanity metrics, whatever. You do you. And like, you can easily buy that. If you're actually on Instagram for more of, a, of a, an awareness and an exposure piece, and that's really what, where I hone in and what I teach um, the women and the men that come into my coaching program, Shine, it's those people that, you know, maybe they've had a business, maybe they have a corporate background. Most of them do. They, they've worked a nine to five. They have an expertise, but they're missing that influence and impact piece. And so how can we build out that awareness and make you more known in your marketplace to get more influence and then therefore make more money. And so 
when it comes to that, I think that that's when you really have to focus on the content that you're creating, how consistent you are with that content, making sure that you're really creating value-driven content that actually goes back to the products and services that you're offering to your ideal prospect. And I use it in this model called your offer prospect and your sales. Those are the three things that I focus on with my coaching students. You've got to have the right offer. You got to make sure that you're selling. When you say offer, offer, do you mean like the actual program you're selling? Right. Whatever it is that you're selling, whether that's, you know, Coca-Cola or whether that's a coaching program, you know, your product or your service, you've got to have an offer Yep. and you got to make sure that you can sell that offer to the right prospect. And then you got to focus on the sales. And I think a lot for me, marketing is part of sales. Marketing Mm. and ads are always part of sales. They drive each other. Mm. And so um, a lot of times what happens is either it's, it's always one of three things. You, you either don't have the right offer or you're offering it to the wrong person, or you don't have your marketing dialed in because you don't have your marketing dialed in. It's hard for you to sell. Mm. And I think a lot of times people think that it's like all of those things. And so they just like freak out and want to change everything instead of really focusing on like, which one is it? And so you got to figure out which one it is, fine tune it. And then that helps with the impact and the exposure. And so that's what I really help people with is like, you know, if your goal is to make more money, have more of a stable income, really grow your own entrepreneurial endeavor, your own business, whatever business that may be, then how do we make sure that we really solidify your offer and that we're getting your offer out to the right prospect and that we're, we're talking to them in the places that they are. You know, if your prospect isn't on Instagram, why are you spending all of your time yeah. on Instagram? You know, if, if your prospect's on podcasts and you're not going on to podcasts, why aren't you going on to podcasts? Mm. And so really getting clear on that Um, on that piece, that marketing vehicle piece of like, where is your prospect actually retaining information and where are they looking for, for value? And then, and then that can then drive the next piece of, well, then where are you spending your time with marketing and what makes the most sense for you to get the most impact and influence? And let's spend time there. Does that mean that you need to get PR? Does that mean that you need to buy ads? Does that mean that you need to start, you know, speaking on stages? Does that mean that you need to start, you know, pitching yourself to be on podcasts? Does that mean that you need to start collaborating with brands? All of these things that I have experience in, and that's really how I built my business. And so that's how I teach others to do the same. So I'm hearing there's a level of assertiveness, I would say, about the strategies that you brought to what you're doing, because I think it's great to have this idea of going, oh, you know, how cool would it be if Ralph Lauren approaches me and says, hey, because you're wearing a Ralph Lauren shirt, can we sponsor you and, and pay you? Right? That'd be really nice. But what I'm hearing is that, and tell me if I'm wrong, but the process and philosophy of you growing your business, there's a level of assertiveness to it of going like you actually approach people and it's not like pushiness, but it's, it's more going, you understand who they are and you approach them in the right way. And then, so you don't wait for your business to grow. You actually more assertively go after your business to grow. How do you do that with, without being pushy? Yeah. I mean, and I I think that that's the start of anything. I mean, it's like, yeah, it would be great for Ralph Lauren to fall down from the sky and give me a brand. It'd also be great to win the lottery, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but it's like, if I want to win the lottery, what do I have to do first? I've got to go buy a ticket. And so I think that that's what people forget is like, it actually participation and, and what it is that you want and getting to your goal is so important and showing up is not enough. And I'll give you an example. You know, I'll have people in my community that are like, I'm listening to your podcast or I bought this program. Or I talked to this person or I read this book and nothing's changing in my life. 
And it's like, well, how are you actively participating and getting what you want? I mean, all of that stuff is great, but if you're not putting action behind the steps that you actually want to take, if you're not putting yourself in the right community, if you're not getting coached, if you're not clear on what your goal is, none of that matters. And so I think for me, like that's the idea, that first piece there. And then the the pushy piece is really, I think a lot of it has to do with mindset. I think a lot of people think that pitching is sleazy or slimy, or they don't want to be bothersome to people, or they don't want to annoy someone, or there's so many different excuses that people make as totally. to why they're not going to pitch. I don't have enough followers or when I'm ready, Ralph Lauren will just come to me mm-hmm. and give me a brand deal on a silver platter. And that's just not how it works. That's not how life works. Right. And so, um, what I really help people with is first getting over that mindset block that it's a sleazy or slimy thing. Pitching is more magical than that. I mean, it's, and here's the thing that I, I love to kind of share with people. We mm. we're pitching every day, whether we realize it or not, mm. you know, um, I'm pitching my husband on, you know, what I want to eat. I'm pitching my kids on, you know, what do I need to do to like, make sure that they clean their room. I mean, it's, mm. it's really is the, the art of negotiation and the art of pitching is, it's, it's like the weather. I mean, we can't get away from it no matter how hard we try. And so instead of resisting it or making these excuses about it, why don't we just learn the right way to do it? and embrace it and, and have it not only change the lives of others, but then have this amazing impact on our lives as well. And so, you know, I've always been very, you know, I think my first job that I started in New York city, I didn't have the, um, you know, I didn't have the pleasure to just sit around and wait to, to get my client. I would have gotten fired if I did that. So I, I had to be assertive and I had to be a go-getter now for people that may not be super comfortable with that because there's a lot of people that are just like, okay, I hear you, Julie. I know that it's a mindset thing and I get it conceptually, but I'm still terrified to send the pitch. Something that you can do, and this is actually a hack that I give a lot of my students. Mm -hmm. I just feel like it kind of breaks our own uh, confidence ice. Create an email. It can be assistant at sallysmith.com. It could be partnerships at sallysmith.com. You could even give this proverbial person a name and you pitch behind the wall of that email. So it's you pitching, but you're acting as if you're your own assistant Mm. or your own manager or your own someone else. And when I started pitching for myself, that's what I started doing just to kind of like get the confidence a little bit to do it more. And then once I gained the confidence, then I was like, okay, I don't need, her name was Rebecca. I was like, okay, I don't need Rebecca anymore. I'm, you know, doing the air quotations. She was my fake assistant. Um, I can just start being Julie and just pitching myself. But that Mm. tends to help a lot of people. If you feel like that is, you know, if you're like, well, I don't want to lie, then it's like, okay, well then show up as you and do your thing. But that is something that I know has helped a lot of my students is using that assistant email. And I think a lot of times too, brands will take you more seriously if they think that you have an assistant or or somebody. And so it also kind of breaks the ice in in that kind of way too, with like, with, with any type of of partnerships, whether that's with brands or clients or customers. So that's like a little hack that, that listeners can use if they're like, I'm nervous. Like I know that I need a pitch. I know that it's part of, of life, but I'm, I'm nervous to do it. No, I like that. Tell me about what have been some of the more difficult decisions or challenging times you've had in your business, because you know, you've created a lot of, lot of success in your business and your life, but you don't get there without going through a lot of challenges and lessons and difficulties. And so 
I'm curious, yeah, when have been some of the more, what, what's coming up for you as being the more challenging moments in your business of where you've had to like push through and break through and what were some of the lessons that you learned from that? Yeah. I mean, for me, I think that it, it has to do around, you know, financial budgeting and allocating of funds and growing a team. I mean, those are by far the two biggest things. And I think for me, I grew up in a, in a small town, small family. We didn't have a lot of money growing up. And so there wasn't a lot of money to learn about, you know, like savings and financial investments and 401ks and ROI. That was never conversations that were happening in my home because we live paycheck to paycheck. And so, and I, I see this happen a lot with women. It's kind of like you can they'll make a lot of money and they either spend it really quickly because they don't know what to do with it or they'll like hoard it away and they don't want to touch it. And so it's like, how are you going to use your money? I feel like money is meant to be used. And so I had to learn more about financial planning, budgeting, numbers, again, going back, what's my goal? Like how much money do I actually want to take home? What is that profit margin? What do I want it yeah. to be? And making sure that we're actually running the business and setting up prices and, you know, creating the type of business that upholds that lifestyle and that money that I actually want to bring home because I can make a ton of money all day long, but that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily bringing it all home. Mm -hmm. And so that was a really big lesson to me of like, you know, just because you may make a lot of money on a big launch or something doesn't mean that you now need to go and build this huge team and buy all these systems. And it's like really getting clear on what it is that you need. And I, I don't know if there was a way that I could have avoided that. I think that it was just the trial and error of like, yeah. oh crap, maybe I didn't need to hire that $25,000 copywriter. Maybe I didn't need to, <laughs> yeah. you know, just all of these things. <laughs> Pay that... 40 grand for a website. <laughs> exactly. It's like, maybe I didn't need to do all of that. And so that, that's been a great learning lesson for for me and has allowed me to really sink into more of a have having more of a financial literacy and a financial understanding about what things look like and and really what I want to bring home and you know we I, I know that we've talked about this in our masterminds a lot of times you'll hear you know uh, kind of the sticky marketing of like you know I made a million dollars last year it's like yeah but it took you eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars to make that million so, so true. it's like or the person here that you know maybe they made five hundred thousand and they took home you know, 450,000. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Right. So yeah. the marketing that, math. and then growing a team, you know, getting clear on like, who what do has I that really... been like for you? What is like, what have been some lessons that you've learned recently? And how have you grown as a leader as well? Like, to, how have you been able to step into that leadership? Because I know you've grown your team a lot recently. Is that accurate? Yeah. I, and it's yeah. been an ebb and flow. Like, you know, my first, my first million dollar year, which I think was in 2017, that, and I kind of looked around and I was like, well, what's everybody else doing where everyone has all these employees and everybody has this and everybody has that. So then I thought that's what I needed to do. And so like, I went and hired all of these people to do these jobs that honestly, probably three or four people could have done. And so I probably had, you know, double the amount of staff that I needed. And then I scaled back and I hired like one person to kind of do everything. But then I quickly realized that like, that wasn't really effective because this person was great and she was great at what she does, but she was in the wrong seat. And so I was trying to like force this position to be something that it wasn't. So then Is that I was when able you were in LA. Yeah. When I was in LA and then it ended when I had moved back to Nashville because right. I was like, okay, this is not working. And so let's just kind of bring it back to the drawing board. And so it's like, well, what does work for me? What do I actually need to move the needle? I know that I need a really rock star, great Facebook ads 
team or person to really own that and really look at it, not just from an ads perspective, but just from a 360 holistic perspective. Um, I need someone, I am not a tech and operations person. So Mm. I need the support there. My business is heavily automated. So I need someone who understands how to keep those automation lights on. If something breaks, like they know they know how to fix it. They can get in there. But the one thing that I learned with all of these pieces is that I think that in the past, I would hire people that I just needed to kind of like check the box off, right? Like a tactician, like, can you do X, Y, and Z? Great. You're hired. What I learned was that the way that I like to work and for really what I need, I need someone who actually also can bring in strategy. So the strategy is not always just on me. I've got a lot of strategy and I can talk strategy Mm -hmm. all day long, but if processes and operations isn't my zone of genius, I'm probably not going to have the best strategies there. So I, and to me, I think there's a difference between hiring someone like a tactician versus hiring someone who can really do both. Like you're, you cannot, you can check off all the boxes and do all the work, but you can also really strategize and bring a lot of really unique ideas to the table. And hopefully you can like find the holes that I have missed so we can up level and scale. And so that's really how I hire now. I would never just hire a strategist. That's kind of like a consultant unless I needed consulting because I also need them to be able to do the job. But I would never really hire a tactician either for some of the roles that I need now because I need some of that strategy. So they really have to have both. You need them to lead the area as well as like manage Yeah, and just really like fully own their role Mm. and their position. Like I don't, you know, you've, you've got like doers and you've got delegators and then you got people that can kind of design mm. what it is that they're doing. And that's that's the role that I really want them to be in. I think that I was hiring a lot of doers for a long time. So it was up to me to design and delegate, or I would hire delegators, but then they're not, they're not coming up mm. with some of the higher level stuff. And so it was being put on me constantly. So now I have a couple of people in, in some roles. And again, I have a very small, I mean, have like four key players on my team. And then, and then we have just kind of people that pop in when we need, Yeah, but that was also a very conscious decision. I'm, I do not, I'm someone that I do not want a staff of like 25 employees. That's just not the type of, this is really big because we actually just did a session with Les McEwen. He does do scale and he shared an insight, which just changed my life, which was, he was talking about how there's two types of businesses, which is the fun business and the scaled business. And he's like, the fun business is, you know, three to five employees, highly profitable, highly agile, less process and bureaucratic. And then the 10 million, 20 million business is the scaled business. You've got 15 to 20 employees minimum, highly, you know, getting bureaucratic, got a C-suite, like- Departments. Department, it's a totally different business. And you've got to decide what you want. What you want. Yeah. Um, and that was always my thing, Colin. Like I didn't leave corporate America to build a corporate America. Yeah. Oh, he's saying as me. That's how I feel as well. But I have a lot of friends that do that and and, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that, you know. Um, totally. Yeah. It's more like, what you want. It's like come back want. to that thing. You know, like, what a, do you want? What do you want? And I have a really good friend who has like 20 employees and she loves that she's able to provide, like do so much for their families. And like, that's her thing. For me, it's like, I want to be able to bring as much of my net home as possible. I want to be able to handsomely reward and love on 
my small but mighty team mm. and let's just keep it like you said agile and fun and playful and like be able to kind of quickly pivot and test things and change things around when we need to because that's just how my brain works and that's that's what i want i've, I've tried the the big team thing and it just it didn't work for me i don't i don't enjoy it either so i'm, I'm very much on your side i like the fun the fun agile um, profitable business. And I will say one other thing that I started doing this year, which I think mm. you might've been doing earlier, but, um, I also like to hire people more in incentivization roles. So, you know, we have a sales team now, which we've never had before. And, um, I've set up some new KPIs and structures where, you know, team members are incentivized based off of, you know, their production and their productivity mm. and the goals that we have. And I feel like, that was something that I was missing the mark on for a really long time. And I was just paying people a lot of money, but then not holding them accountable for like anything. So that was a, that was a leadership learning lesson. Yeah. Um, but I like that. And, and I've come to learn at least with the people that I've worked with, they like it too. Mm. They like to be incentivized. If they're driven. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As we kind of wrap up, I'm curious, is there anything we haven't covered in terms of you know, insights or learnings that, that you think are really powerful in growing an expert business that you would love to share? Anything else that's just coming up for you around your expertise? I think the biggest thing, and, you know, and I've known it from my own business. Um, and I mean, that's how we met was being in a mastermind mm. and like surrounding yourself with a community of like-minded people, especially if you're in the online space, especially after the year that we had last year, when all of us feel like we live behind our desktops and we're so isolated. It's one of the biggest aha moments for me because I have my coaching program shine that started last year. And when I started coaching and was really kind of on the other end of that, I started to notice how many men and women stay in isolation for, for far too long. And they don't get in community. They don't get help. They, you know, it takes them a really long time to get the support that I think was single-handedly beneficial in, in me growing and scaling to the link that I had far more than any kind of funnel or systems or process. It's being able to come together with a community of people who, you know, everyone's kind of around the same level. Everyone has their goals, but I can come and I can say, this has worked for me. I'm having a challenge here. And then they can just brain dump on me all of their incredible ideas. And to me, that's been the most beneficial thing, just to know that I can get great strategy, great feedback, really honest answers from, you know, a community of people. And then at the same time, I can just not feel so alone. And so I think that that's the biggest thing for anyone listening that, you know, what, whatever the community is, it, it doesn't have to be a mastermind or, you know, a coaching program or whatever that may be, but like, go find your people and get with your people and start having those conversations, because that is going to help you grow not only your bottom line, but that's going to help you grow your networking, your confidence, your, you know, ability to stay curious and learn new things. So that would be the big takeaway that I, I love would that. Say. I 100% agree with that. I mean, for us, we wouldn't be living in the US if I didn't join a program. I, I've actually only done, I've done probably three programs over 13 years. And one of them, I was in the program for like five years, another one, five years. So pretty significant time and they just changed my life, that community, the encouragement, the strategies, the, all that sort of stuff. So uh, I love that. I love that you're, you're creating that because I know that's, you know, you've launched your new group coaching and mastermind program, which is really cool. In terms of imagine that right now is actually 
coming to the end of your life. And people are standing around talking about Julie Solomon. And it's your friends, your family, your kids, your clients. I'm curious, what would be your hope that they would whisper about you and say about you? I would hope that they would say that she was an example of what was possible. Hmm. I love that. That actually so aligns with what I want people to say. <laughs> so good. Because I mean, that's my, that's my whole purpose is just mm. to be an example of what's possible. Mm. I love that. So good. And you are doing that so much. And I'm just so grateful for our friendship and watching you grow your business and, and live your life and your family and so forth is just really cool. So for those people who want to get in contact with you and also just hear about, hear more of what you do, uh, you've got an amazing, you know, market leading podcast called the Influencer Podcast. So definitely guys go and check that out. You can go to juliesolomon.net and check that as well. And also Instagram, we've talked a lot about Instagram, obviously just at Julie Solomon. Is that right? At Jules. Yeah. J-U-L-S-S-O-L-O-M-O-N. That's where I tend to spend most of my time. Hmm. And uh, yeah, the Influencer Podcast is a great place for all the the good, the good meat of the marketing stuff. And then you can find my services on juliesalman.net. Yeah, I love that. Well, Julie, it's been a pleasure having this conversation. I know the listeners will walk away with a ton of value from today and and I know they'll feel connected to you and and uh, it's going to encourage them to go to the next level. So thanks for coming on the Expert Edge. <laughs> yes, thanks for having me. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.